So every month as we've explored a different aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, I have tried to find an actual fruit, a physical fruit that we can consider and that we can reflect upon and, and help us understand spiritually what's being said. I'm quickly running out of fruit. I mean, here we are down to the wire and, and it's it kind of causing a little stress in my brain to figure out what what fruit fits in the last few. But there's never been a question about gentleness. There's never been a question about what I would choose. I don't know about you, but when I think of gentleness and I think of fruit, uh, my thoughts go to a peach. Uh, a peach is soft. A peach is fuzzy. A, a peach is easily bruised. Uh, so we handle, we handle peaches with care. We don't just throw them to someone like, like we might an apple. You know, you might toss someone an apple. We, we treat a a peach a little bit more carefully than that. And, and in the fruit of the Spirit of gentleness, we realize that there are people like that. There are people in our lives who are easily wounded. There are people who are easily bruised. And so we handle those people with care. We also have to realize when it comes to our own gentleness, when it comes to us showing gentleness, that there's something else about the peach. And that is deep down, in the center of the peach, there is a pit. Sometimes it's called a stone. We can think of it kind of like a rock. And the pit is hard, it is firm, it is difficult to break. And, and the peach grows around the pit. It attaches itself to, it is attached to the pit. And I think there's a lesson there for us also. If we're attached to something that is firm, if we're attached to someone who is firm, then we can afford to show gentleness because we're trusting not in our own strength, but we're trusting in the strength of the One that we hold on to. We're trusting in our rock. We're trusting in, in Jesus. I don't have to tell you that gentleness is difficult. Uh, gentleness is a very hard fruit to show other people. If you set out to show gentleness to people, it's going to leave you vulnerable. You're going to become vulnerable by doing that. It's, it makes us feel soft and, and we balk at that. And yet, what's the alternative? What's the alternative to gentleness? You know, when Paul gives us the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, right before he gives us the fruit of the Spirit, he gives us a list that he calls the works of the flesh. And that is our alternative. The works of the flesh. The stuff that we do from ourselves. And, and if you look at the works of the flesh, there's nothing holy in that list. And there in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 19, there's nothing holy in that list. There's nothing of God in that list. That list includes things like fits of anger. And we may be very familiar with fits of anger, but there is nothing holy in a fit of anger. That list includes things like strife. The way that we bump up against other people, the way we don't work together, the way that we continue to, to pick and hurt other people, divisions, building walls between us and others, putting up barriers to keep other people away. That's not what gentleness does. That's not what the fruit of the Spirit, that's not what God does. That's not what the Holy Spirit working within us does. There is nothing of Jesus' call in that. And so immediately after we have the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, immediately after the fruit of the Spirit, Paul gives some very practical advice to those Christians in Galatia. He gives some advice that we can catch as well for ourselves 
about what the fruit of the Spirit looks like in action. What does it look like when we have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, in our fellowship, in the way we react to one another? What does it look like when this begins impacting the lives of people around us? And a huge part of Paul's focus in Galatians chapter 6 is on gentleness and what gentleness does for us and for each other. And, and in gentleness and in what Paul has to say in Galatians 6, verses 1-5, through 5, you, you see the softness of gentleness. You see that handle with care. But you also see the firmness. And you see the trust in something that's stronger than you. Something deep in your core. The, the trust in the presence of God. So we're going to look at Galatians 6 today, verses 1-5. through 5. If you've got one of those blue Bibles open in front of you, it's page 975, Galatians 6, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes, Brothers, and I always feel compelled to stop and say this, there is no word for y'all in, in Greek. So when he says brothers, he also means sisters. He means all of humanity. I want you all to hear this. He says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him or her in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Those five verses, there is so much that goes against our nature in those five verses. There's so much that goes against what we want to do. What, what we want to be. And what he's showing us is that there is more power in gentleness. There is more power in the fruit of the Spirit than there is in our own flesh. There is power to change people's lives. There is power to heal. There is power to make people whole. There is power to unite us. Your gentleness, your gentleness, is an indication of your trust in God's strength. That you're going to rely on Him. So what does that look like? In short, what, what does gentleness do? One of the things, the first thing I think you see here is that gentleness allows you to seek the very best for other people. Gentleness allows you to seek the very best for others. And again, I go back to that list of the works of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 19, Paul says, now the works of the flesh are evident. In other words, they're obvious. We know where these come from. We can't dress these up and make them sound holy. We can't try to, try to make them look like these come from God because they do not come from God. They, they do not possess within them anything of God, anything that is holy. He says the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of angers. Pitch of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He finally just wears himself out and says, you know what I'm talking about. Things like these. And he says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You cannot make your life and your interactions about those things and expect to be rewarded from God. It doesn't work that way. 
What can these do for anyone? What can a fit of anger do for anybody? Is there any benefit that anyone is going to get from your fit of anger? None of these can bring healing. None of these can bring wholeness. And most importantly, none of these, none of these can bring the goodness of God. And yet, how many times, far too often, we react with the things on this list. Division, enmity, jealousy, fits of anger, strife. But look at what Paul says happens if instead we apply the fruit of the Spirit. Look at Galatians 6, verse 1. This is what happens when we apply the fruit of the Spirit instead. He says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Transgression, the the word means sin. (laughs) We understand what that means, right? We understand what sin is, don't we? It's, it's, a, it's a different word for sin than what we're used to. It, it actually means if, if anyone stumbles, if anyone trips themselves up, how many of you, I mean, just physically, you think about physically, how many of you have ever gotten your feet in the way of your own feet and you've tripped up? You know, I've, I've been with many of you when you've tripped and we've, you know, we've helped you back up again. That's what you do when someone trips and falls down. <clears throat> we've all tripped. We've all fallen down at one point or another. Physically, we'll admit that we occasionally are klutzy and clumsy and we fall down. Paul says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us have sinned. Every one of us have tripped up spiritually. Every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How many of us have done that? All of us. Every one of us. You have, I have. We've all done that. I think a big part, I think a big part of our problem is there are people who we do not believe, we do not believe that everyone deserves our gentleness. I think a big part of our problem is there are people that we think don't deserve gentleness. And maybe we ought to just take a minute and admit that. There are people that we see, people that we encounter, and we do not think they deserve gentleness because they have screwed up. They have sinned. They have tripped up. They have done some horrible things. Maybe it's something they did to themselves. They made a bad decision. And we don't think they deserve gentleness in response to that. Maybe it's something they did to someone else. Maybe they hurt someone that we love. Maybe it's something they've done to us. Or maybe it's just, maybe it's just that we don't know that person. We don't understand them, but we make a snap judgment and we say, that person does not deserve my gentleness. And so we decide that they don't deserve it. But all have sinned. But all have sinned. Every one of us has been tripped up. And so what should we do knowing that every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves lest you too be tempted, he says. You who are spiritual should restore them. How do we know who's spiritual? How do we know who's spiritual? Is it the person who's been here the longest? Is it the person who has the perfect church attendance? Is it the person who not only comes to to, to church, they also come to Sunday school, they also come to Wednesday night? Is that the one who's spiritual? No, it says 
those who are spiritual should restore them with a spirit of gentleness. The way we recognize spirituality is we see gentleness. We see gentleness. Can I just suggest, if you, if you don't have a spirit of gentleness, you probably need to stop and ask why. If you don't have it within yourself, if you say, I, I can't see gentleness in myself, you probably ought to stop and ask why. What, what is my stumble? What is my sin? Why am I not the person that Jesus has called me to be? And do I? Do I need to be restored? You see, if, if you have a spirit of gentleness, you're going to seek the very best for other people. That's, that's what you recognize. You're going to seek the very best for others because gentleness gives you the strength to show the love of Jesus. Gentleness gives you strength so that you can show the love of Christ. One of the ways we recognize gentleness is in what it seeks for other people. For those that are caught in a transgression, for those who have been tripped up in sin, what does gentleness seek? Does, does it seek to put them in their place finally? I'm going to straighten them out. I'm going to put them in their place. Does it seek to gossip about them? Do you know what he did? Do you know what, what she did? Tell everybody what they did? No, the goal of gentleness in, in verse 2 or verse 1, the goal of gentleness is that you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. I, I love that word restore. It's actually a medical term. It's a medical term for setting a broken bone. We know a little bit about broken bones lately, don't we? We've got a few people who've had some broken bones in our, in our lives, in our community. We know a little bit of something about broken bones. When, when a doctor sets that broken bone, he puts it back together so that it can heal itself, so that it can be restored. And the goal is that that bone would be in a position where it could be restored just the way it was before, but even better, when that bone is healed, it should never break in that spot again. It should be even stronger than it was before. That's not just about restoring someone from a sin. It's about restoring what sin has stolen. I said, other, I said earlier, I don't think, I don't think we, I, I think we don't show gentleness because there are people that we think don't deserve gentleness. There are people in our lives that we think they don't deserve it. Let's just be honest. We say that that person doesn't deserve gentleness. And the reason we would say that is because we can't see the image of God in them. And you realize every person you meet has been created in the image of God. We get that from, from the Bible, right? We understand that every person you meet is created in the image of God. There is something of the divine in each and every person. But sin comes in and sin steals that image. It doesn't so much steal that image, sin, sin corrupts that image. And so instead, instead of seeing something of the divine in someone else, what do we see? We end up seeing <sighs> impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries. We, we begin seeing those things instead. And unless we're willing to see something beyond just ourselves, that's all we'll ever see. We'll never treat people the way they were created to be treated. We will never treat them as image bearers. We will never treat them as having a spark of the divine. And we'll never treat ourselves that way either. We'll never treat ourselves that way. We will never see beyond our own sin. 
we will never see beyond the times that we've screwed up, the times that we've stumbled. And I think that's why Paul goes on in verse 1 and he says, keep watch on yourselves lest you too be tempted. In other words, those of you who are spiritual, those of you with that spirit of gentleness, the reality is you're no better. None of us are any better. We're all weak. The corruption of the works of the flesh, it hits us all. And sadly, it seems to hit us the hardest when we're taking care of somebody else, when somebody else has sinned. And suddenly we're thinking to ourselves, well, at least, at least I'm not as bad as him. <laughs> I may have screwed up, I may have stumbled, but I've not done anything that bad, or at least I haven't done what she's done. I've got my problems, but I haven't done that yet. That's not restoring. That's not how you restore people. That's not mending. That does not demonstrate the love of Jesus. Paul goes on in verse 2 and he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? In the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus has just washed His disciples' feet. And what does He say to them? In verse 34, He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. This is the law of Christ. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. You notice there's not an unless in the, in the law of Christ. Did you notice there's no unless? There's no love one another unless, unless they've sinned. I mean, unless they've sinned worse than you. Then you don't have to. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say love one another unless they've fallen, unless they've stumbled. Love one another unless they look different than you. Unless they worship different than you, if they worship different than you, then you don't have to love them. He doesn't say that. Love one another unless they vote different than you? No, it's no there's no unless here. But you know, the world, the, our attitudes, our hearts, we will give ourselves every reason in the world to not love someone. We will give ourselves every reason in the world to say that person is not worthy of my love. That person is not worthy of my gentleness. They have screwed up too much. Jesus gives you one reason to love that person. He says, love one another as I have loved you. In the same way that I loved you when you were broken, when you needed restoring, in the same way I loved you, you love one another. And I think that's the true gift of gentleness. That when we, when we receive, that what, what we receive when we show gentleness, the gift is that gentleness enables you to know exactly who you are. Gentleness enables you to know exactly who you are. Because gentleness is not about relying on your own strength. Gentleness is not about relying on your flesh, but relying on the strength of the one who is deep down inside you. Relying on the one who is foundational to who you are. It's about relying on Jesus. And so when you're mending that which is broken, when you're bearing each other's burdens, we, we do that with the love and the strength of Jesus, not with what we find within ourselves alone, just in, just in our flesh. And so Paul has to remind us of a couple of, a couple of warnings here. He says in verses 3 and 4, he says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. 
Then he turns around and says, but let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. There's two errors here that Paul is warning us of. Both of them are, are equally dangerous. The first error is that of conceit. It's the error of saying, well, I'm spiritual. I'm the one that's doing the restoring, therefore I must be important. I am far too important to help you bear your burden, in fact. That's the first error. The second error is to say, I can't help you because I'm too weak. I can't help you because I can't do anything right. I'm too weak. I'm too broken to even help myself. I am hopeless. And and Paul says, don't compare yourself with someone else who may be a little further down the road. You instead, you keep your eyes on Jesus. And I think that's the beauty of gentleness. It's what we get back when we show gentleness. Gentleness allows us to view our own lives honestly, to see who we really are, not relying on our own strength, not relying on our own smarts, our own abilities, but relying on Christ in you. Your gentleness is an indication of your trust in God's strength. And you see that in Jesus. You see that in Jesus. He meets this woman at the well. And he says, go and get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. Like, well, you're right. You've had several husbands. The man you're living with now isn't your husband. But if you ask me, I will give you living water and you will never thirst again. Treat her with gentleness. He meets another woman who's brought to him and caught in, caught in sin, caught in adultery. And Jesus says, those of you who are sinless, you should be the ones that cast the first stone." And then when all those accusers have walked away, what does Jesus say to her? Go and sin no more. He's able to restore her in gentleness. Think about the leper that came to Jesus. The leper, a person who should not have been, should not have been in that crowd that day, who should not have been touched. It was unclean for him to be there. He was supposed to be yelling the word unclean as he made his way through the streets. He runs up to Jesus and Jesus touches the untouchable. He touches the one that, that should not have been touched. And what happens? He restores him. He heals him. He makes him whole again. You think about Simon Peter. Jesus asks him, Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes. He says, well then feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. Care for my lambs. He restores him. Jesus could restore. Jesus could be gentle because he knew where his strength came from. The very final verse in this section, verse 5, says, For each will have to bear his own load. And on the surface, that sounds like a contradiction. Verse 5 says, Each will have to bear his own load. Verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens. Well, is that, is that a contradiction there? Is there a contradiction in those two verses? No, there's, there's a difference. There's a difference between a load and a burden. If you're in the army, you're expected to carry your own pack, right? If you're in the military, you have to carry your own pack. That's your responsibility. Every one of us has our responsibilities. But burdens, burdens are never meant to be bared alone. You don't bear that burden by yourself. You find someone who will come alongside, who will share that burden with you. Those are to be carried together. There are a lot of people around us are carrying burdens that they were never meant to carry alone. There are a lot of people in, in our community, in our church, 
who are carrying burdens they were never meant to carry alone. There are burdens of sickness. There are burdens of family trouble. There, there are burdens of heartbreak that people are bearing alone. There are people around us who are carrying burdens that were placed on them as children. And with all that extra weight on their shoulders, they have never grown. They have never moved beyond that. Burdens that were placed on them as children that no child should ever have to bear. Burdens of, burdens of, of abuse. Burdens of neglect. Listen, Jesus never intended anyone to carry a burden alone. That's why He's given us all the strength to be gentle, to bear burdens, and to show His love. And whatever burden you're carrying, if you're coming here today with a burden, I want you to know there is someone here who will carry that burden with you. There is someone here who will bear it with you. Someone here who wants you to know the love of Jesus, who is willing to show His love to you, and for all of us, for all of us, there is nothing greater that you can do than restore someone who is hurting, someone who has been hurt for far too long. Let's just make it, let's make it our goal that no one ever misses out on the love of Jesus. No one has a burden that's so heavy that they miss out on the love of Christ. We want to just offer you a chance. I've, I've asked some of the, I've asked our elders and, and some others <clears throat> they'll go back to my office. And if there's a burden you need to loosen today, if you need it shared, they would love to pray with you. They'd love to spend some time with you and help you through that. If you've got something you just need to, to speak to someone quietly in, in prayer about, they would love to be there for you. They're going to be back there as we, as we dismiss today. But we're always here. We're always willing to share that. Let's stand together and pray. Father, when we were at our worst, when we were our most broken and sinful, You came to us with gentleness. You looked beyond our slip-ups and You looked beyond our stumbles and our transgressions and You took on the burden of our sin. Father, none of us would be here without Your gentleness. There are people around us who desperately need to know You. So we pray for the strength that we need from you to get to be gentle with them that that through the way we care they might know that you care give us the strength to lay ourselves aside and to show them the love of Christ it's in Jesus name we pray amen go in peace